There it is. And we're back after our longest hiatus in a season ever. I'm not going to lie, loyal listeners, this might be the end of the line. It might be the final installment of the ACC B-Ball DGNs. It's just Taylor and I tonight. That's maybe one of the reasons. It's I'm going to have to Luke off the ledge here. It could get emotional over the phone. I plan on going out in either a complete tailspin or a blaze of glorious hot takes. Either or. Random scatter shooting, that's going to be a theme. We're going to try to weed the holidays, and but uh, there's only one thing that we can start talking about. Taylor, welcome. Greetings. I'm so happy to be here. We've been away for too long. I feel like the last time we were on this podcast, what were we even talking about? I don't know. Probably like Butterfly Releases by Jim Laranega. That's that's usually what I go back to. We had to talk about the immediate past, and that is the ACC opener. Have you looked at the ACC standings today? I have. Boston there's a, College there's a, Eagles, baby, we're all Eagles today. There's a 13-way There's a 13-way tie for second place. I don't know if that's happened recently, <laughs> but yeah, it happens every year at around this time, but it's happened again. There's a 13-way tie for second place. 13 teams are a half game back of the lead dog at top of the conference who are the Boston College Eagles. And then oh, way yeah. down in the cellar, there's um, uh, the Duke Blue Devils who are winless on the year in ACC play. Yep. Which is uh, another hopeless I, Duke season. I don't know if uh, attendance is going to go down at Cameron. That's a good question that we might have to get to since uh, they are winless at this point of the calendar and last in the ACC standings. I don't know if that's going to have an effect. We're going to get to all those questions. But first of all, let's reflect on that game. All right, so I woke up on Saturday, and I realized that ACC play was starting, and I knew it was in Chestnut Hill, and I knew it was Duke-Boston College, and I immediately talked to Guthrie and said, hey, you know, Duke-BC is at noon in Chestnut Hill. I just had a weird feeling that it was going to be a good game, at least for a half, and it turned out to be a great game all the way to the end and a fairly decent upset. Did you have any of those vibes Saturday morning? So I didn't have a feeling that they were going to win, but... Neither did I. I just thought the 16-point spread was a little too much and that it might be closer than... I thought thought they could give them a game for at least three quarters of the action. So so that is what I'm talking about. I have been on the Boston College hype train for the last couple of years solely because I think they get like really awesome, uh, like double-digit spreads. And this team has offense. Like last year... You know, Jerome Robinson and Kai Bowman and everything, and even more this year. They can score. They can shoot. They can do all that stuff. So I'm always down for, like, you know, maybe they're going to get hot. They're going to keep it close. I'm proud of you for thinking that. And I congratulate you. I love it. For being vindicated. Yeah. Indeed. It's, I mean, the crazy thing to me is I went, I went back and looked at the box score after the game because they were like, I'm looking at it right now. And and I thought, oh, you know, it, it seemed like they relied on, you know, what, Bowman and and Robinson. And I feel like Robinson like left his print on that points, game. Right? Robinson left such a big print on that game. Yeah. And but I know then, Bowman had the 30 and 10, but I, I just felt Robinson was making that machine go with the movement, the actions they were running. They were constantly driving and kicking. This is a, this game actually is what Duke's been doing all season, right? I know. Duke has like gotten down in all their games and then like Marvin Bagley has taken over in the second half and they've kind of like gone down low and then Grayson Allen hits a couple shots like near the end of the game and they win near the end of the game and kind of take over. And this time they didn't go down, but you know, it was relatively close, closer than people thought. And then 
it didn't really happen. It didn't take over. Like Boston College didn't go away. And I, the thing that's crazy to me is just looking at the minutes of the total 200 minutes possible in the game, Boston College's bench played 22 of those minutes. Like, it was the five starters the entire time. And what Bowman, Robinson, Chapman had, you know, 76 of their 89 points, I think. I'm pretty sure I'm doing that math quickly, very right. Very, you know, I just, it's, I don't, it's awesome. But I think it's just indicative of Boston College spread destroyer. Like if they get these, keep getting these double digit spreads, they're my favorite team to take with the points oh. for the going for the rest of the season. Oh, okay. Well, they did shoot fifty seven percent from three. That's nice. I, I know that might not happen every single time, but I do think I, I do think there's something to it, and I think teams are going to shoot very well from beyond the arc against Duke if, unless they can get their zone in gear. And if they play man, I, I still think teams can shoot well against them just because of quickness on the perimeter, which they're going to have to figure out. But we did see the sign to this. The Indiana game was a sign, even though in the final five minutes they ran away on that one. Also, uh, I mean, we saw the signs against Florida and Texas Florida. as well. So that, yeah. I mean, yeah. But okay, yeah. So we're off and running in the ACC schedule. Other action to discuss. Other teams to discuss. Uh, let's just go free flowing train. Uh, train of thoughts. Uh, Louisville. So before we leave Duke, let me ask you something I'm thinking of. Fine. I just assume I think Duke still the best team in the ACC. Are we right in saying that? I still think that. But what do you think? Are you asking are they going to win the regular season? Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, they had the schedule for it. They're not going to lose at home this year, I don't think. I think they're going to run riot at home. But I think that they can be vulnerable on the road. Well, everybody can. Right, and they're already down one in the hole. Um, I'm just trying to think of the the other team who could uh, come out with a better regular season record. I think Carolina and Miami are both in play for that. Yeah, I think it's to me it's less like I totally agree. This team is like set up to be unstoppable at home. I mean, I know that's kind of like a cliche, you know, but even more so just because when they get going, they can really take over a game. But I, I think it's less like Duke having trouble running the table in the regular season and more like I don't see the, some of the other challengers stepping up and, and winning enough games to like match what Duke has on the schedule. Yeah, the schedule is uh, the number one reason why I picked them originally. I'd say the chances are something like Duke 40, um, Carolina 25, Miami 25, um, and I don't know, Virginia 10, and then maybe somebody else 5 and 5. <laughs> if I'm breaking down percentage chance of winning the conference. Miami gets uh, only plays Duke, and they play Duke at home. This is correct. Once. Which is the tiebreaker. Yeah. So that's, hey, good schedule research, my friend. Uh, I'm proud of you I, on that I, one. I kind of like, yeah, I can read some words on a screen. I kind of like... Uh, I kind of like Miami's chances here. I'm liking them more and more. Yeah, I'm the only one who's not pushed my yeah. chips in on that team yet, like everybody else. Not quite well, there. Everybody's like, oh, the Minnesota game, the Minnesota game. Right, I mean, are we sure about Minnesota? Well, yeah, the Minnesota. It's, it's not like a, a proven program. Can we can we they, agree there? I totally agree. I, I mean, and Minnesota, they just they, they just lost back to back games against Nebraska and Arkansas. That doesn't look great. Yeah. Uh, I think the Minnesota, like, 
doesn't have much depth. They have just like a couple guys who are really doing all the work for them. Basically, I mean they're they're getting work out of like Jordan Murphy and stuff. And I thought and Reggie Lynch I think really looked good in the game against Miami. But in retrospect, that game that win for Miami doesn't look as good as I like originally thought it might. Yeah, I would also like to tip my cap to Jim Larinaga a.k.a. the Grinch, who stole the non-conference from us, for just playing an, an absolutely atrocious abomination of a non-conference schedule. Yeah. Can, hey, is he the Grinch? Can we call him the Grinch from now on? I think I'm going to nickname lot. him that. I love Jim Laranega, so I would never call him anything I know that you has do. a negative connotation. But if you love people, you still need to be critical of them. <clears throat> he's, he's like the Grinch at the end of the story. His heart has already grown three sizes. So he's, you know, he's redeemed. But why does he want to take away basketball from us? Um, what are they called in the story? The Who's? The Who's down Yeah, the Google. Who's. Yeah, we're, we're the Who's. Yeah. And he's taking that away from us, taking away non-conference basketball. Hey, that Miami game was good. I guess that's the Big Ten challenge, so you can't really argue with that. Wait, the I Minnesota see- game you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to hear the, the rest Minnesota of the game, schedule? Gardner-Webb, Navy, Florida A&M, LaSalle, who, I mean, I, I, come on. You, you can sort of make a case, but they're 141 in Kempom. Let's face it. Princeton they, and Boston. Princeton's not say, good this year. They scored 57 points in the game against LaSalle. In a win against LaSalle, but 57 points. Ugh. Little, little worrisome. Oh, and um, guess what? To round out the non-conference, GW and Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Well, uh, don't get me started. I, I All right, think, enough on the Miami team. We don't well, know anything. We, we, we have no information on them because of the Grinch. I have a theme about this. I, I mean, I have a theory about this, and I'm, I'm not. It's not really my theory. I'm stealing it from. I, Mark Titus has been talking specifically about. I think Kentucky, and here you can make fun of me for being a, a UK guy. But yeah, that team's about, not good this year. I mean, they're yeah, they're just not they're not that good. They're not right. That, but he's been neither he's been Kansas. talking about Calipari knows that his team isn't kind of ready, so he scheduled a really really soft non conference, like much more than usual, and knowing that like it would help him just get a bunch of wins, ride off the name, and then hopefully develop to where like to where mm-hmm. he can be a little more competitive when the schedule gets tougher. Do you think that Larry Nega kind of knew that? Do you think he was like planning this out? I don't know. What's the when well, do they I mean, set the schedule? He, he's guess, supposed to know? have one of his best teams in recent memory, right? Yeah. But then, maybe he knew. Maybe he knew he was like, man, we're, we might struggle if we play some really good teams at the beginning of the season. This is all speculation. This is also I, the I seri- This is the Bayheim strategy. But I do want to talk about. This is a great segue because uh, I want to get off Miami. Okay. But that's a good thought. I don't know if you can plan it out that well, especially if you're getting super freshmen like Cal does, because when yeah. you're making the schedule, it's you know, pretty far in advance, and the top recruits in the country. I mean, they sign pretty late in the process. I'll just say before we leave Miami, I love them. I love their chances. Oh, oh that's wow, breaking news. Uh, I'm in you, it. You love a team in the AC. You yeah. love is there anybody you don't love? <laughs> Any teams you don't love? Uh, I mean, sadly, I wish I could say I still love them, but I You love Boston College. I, you love I, Miami. I love them. You but love Georgia I don't Tech. Love, love them is Georgia Tech. I, I knew, I've fallen I knew out it. of love with them. I knew it. Okay, enough on that. Segway, we, we talked about scheduling. Jim Beheim in Syracuse, I got to tip my cap to him this year. He usually has a cakewalk and never leaves the Carrier Dome unless it's a road game in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. But tip of the cap to Jimbo for trying to get the band back together. Did you notice this? Scheduling what? UConn and Georgetown in the non-con? I was going to say. 
and Connecticut, then Georgetown, throw yeah. in two pit games. He's yeah. trying to he's sentimental. He's trying to get the band back together, the old Big East. Well, <laughs> I, I loved think, it. <laughs> I think last last year they had the same thing. They had UConn and Georgetown and the, and St. John's. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, yeah. And they and got crushed the by St. John's. Too. Remember? What? Remember they lost by how many to St. John's? Yeah, a lot. Uh, was it 30 plus? Ooh. Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> Spe- I mean, it makes for good TV, good ratings. Speaking of another, this, more scatter shooting from Luke. Speaking of other things I've noticed, how about this week on the ACC versus Indiana University? What's going on oh, there? Yeah. I use playing everybody. I know. They talk about a good non conference, I feel like. They're playing everybody. At least three teams, right? Because they had Duke. Um, who else did they have recently? Louisville. Duke, they just played they Louisville, Louisville. And they've got it. one more. They've got another game coming up on Saturday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. See? Those are things not everybody thinks about, but I do. All right. We're going to change this up. Um, Louisville. Another segue. I'm really worried what? about I'm re- I'm really worried about that team. Yeah. Have you watched them much? Yeah. Well, I, I know. As, the as Seton Hall game to... was very worrisome. And then I know they got the win against IU, but I thought there was no way they covered in that game. I think they might have, barely, but definitely not in the first half. Like I could I could tell thirty seconds into that game IU was covering the first half at least. Well, also, I think Seton Hall is like is a very good team. I think they're really good. Yeah. Um, okay, I know that. The thing that's worrisome for Louisville is that uh, Louisville kind of makes their their bread and butter has been lots of like long, athletic, physical guys in the front court, like lots of guys and, and lots of depth there. It seems like and, they only have Mahmoud left. Yeah, <laughs> this is and they like got the last kind of one. Heat up against Seton Hall. I know. And Seton Hall doesn't have that much depth, in, especially in the front court. Their front court is basically Angel Delgado, and that's it. And I mean, they got and Louisville kind of got beat up by them in that game. That's that's a worrisome sign for me. That's what I would say. Are we worried about Quentin Snyder plateauing, or is yes. that happen? I would has say that I happened. So has it already happened? I don't know. You, I mean, it's kind of one of these things. Like you wait, maybe halfway through the season, he takes a step and it changes the entire dynamic of the team. But that was always that was the question mark going in, is that their front court taken for granted would be great, and then you just think can Snyder like run the offense, you know, go up to the next level, take care of things, and uh, if he's not doing that, and the front court is kind of looking a little bit more suspect than we hoped for, it's worrisome. I don't know. Yeah, I'm you know I'm backing, and, I think I picked them to finish like pretty high in the ACC. I know. And now I'm I'm starting to worry that about that pick. I would be. I wouldn't be worried. I'd be terrified, for lack of a better word. Uh, well, I do think the Ding Spalling King trio can get better. But let's remi- yeah. remember this. I mean, this team didn't really have a preseason, right? Yeah. Like, what did those practices look like in September? Who was what, running I mean, the practice? Yeah. Um. What was happening in the July window? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I have. It's hard to believe that any of those players had a good off season. And they, and they also just just because of because I, of circumstances around the team. Wait, sorry. I talk about Louisville's depth some, but like 
and this is my statistic I've been fixating on recently, it's like bench minutes for some reason, but Louisville's playing a lot fewer bench minutes than they have in, in previous seasons, like their most successful seasons. Usually they're, you know, if not top 100, near around the top 50 mark in bench minutes, playing a lot of guys, a lot of depth. And now they're like in the mid-200s, you know, with their bench minutes. And it's just yeah. it's worrisome that they don't have that depth to like Very rely on. Very concerning. Who else are we concerned about? Should we just keep going through concerned teams? Well, I mean, sure, I'm, I mean, I'm a little bit gracious. concerned about Notre Pitt, Dame. Pitt and uh, Pitt and Wake Forest are givens. All right, you know I'm sure. always worried about Virginia Tech, especially this season. Oh, we won't we won't go there. But you hey, worried about Notre Dame? Kentucky for them. I'm okay with Notre Dame. I've accepted the Ball State loss at home. It was terrible. But I don't know why. I can't really explain why I'm not too worried about that team. I think my problem is that, so like the value proposition you get with Notre Dame is always that the offense is going to be great and explosive. And then the defense is kind of going to like just let you down all the time. And, and if they ever like pick up the defense in those games, they're going to really, they're going to crush it. They're going to beat some teams. And after they beat Wichita State earlier, I was like, oh, great, this Notre Dame team might be a lot better than I thought. But I don't know, I just watching them in a couple of the other games, I just felt like even though the offense is rated uh, number seven by efficiency in the nation per Ken Palm, I get kind of worried that against more like athletic, longer teams, they actually have trouble scoring mm. the ball. They, have, they move it around, but they can't really penetrate. They kind of rely on like Bonzi Colson, which if you're going to rely on somebody, hey, whatever. Colson's pretty good, but like they, they can't really like penetrate and they don't move it as well as like past Notre Dame teams. And I kind of get worried that they're not creating open looks. They're not getting as many uncontested looks as they used to get back in the day. So I don't know that that's what kind of worries me about that. If you're going to rely on your offense that much, you have to be able to create something off the ball or off the dribble. And they're, they don't really, they haven't convinced me that they can do that against the higher level teams. Fair enough. I'll say this though. They're favored in their first nine ACC games per Ken Palm. That's yeah. pretty good. It's pretty good. All right. It's not a lock, but uh, this would be great. Unless you have it pulled up right now, can you guess the first team they're favored to lose at? It's they're they're <laughs> supposed to be one point dogs against a strange team on the road. Okay. Hence, they played in multiple well, gyms the last two years. It's a strange team here. I'm going to make a guess. Can okay, I? fine. You can make so they played Notre Dame relatively early on. But is that a Notre Dame, game? they played themselves? Yeah, they scrimmaged back oh, in sorry. October no, a lot. They played yeah, North they Carolina. Did. Sorry. They played North Carolina. Did they, is that a home game? Did they play North Carolina at home? Yes. Okay, well, that's not it. Uh, I mean, it's got to be like what? It's a is team it, we don't talk about very often on this podcast. Well, is it NC State? No, it's, what? it's Clemson. I'm just going to give it Clemson. to you. It's Clemson. Oh. Yeah. It's weird. But what do you, what do you know? Oh, great moments from the Michigan State Notre Dame game, which I watched in its entirety, was, and this is a good segue into this week on commentators, which is one of my favorite things to talk about. You don't really like talking about it too much, but we're going to bring up Bill Walton momentarily. So just uh, hold your horses, <laughs> try to keep it all together over there. And I know, I don't know what's oozing out of you right now, but um, Michigan State Notre Dame, Jay Billis went over. And just blatantly said, when Rex Fluger popped up in the conversation, and he, I don't know, he drilled a three or something, and Billis said, 
you know, he's not really out there for his scoring. And I lost it. I couldn't stop laughing. Why is he out there? <laughs> Pluger's out there for a reason to score. I mean, do you, do you, do you consider him like an elite defender? I, I don't. I've never seen anything like that. But he's not really out there for his scoring. And I turned to Guthrie and I said, is he crazy? And then I, I don't know how many Fluker dropped, like 15. That game he led, uh, wait, I don't think he was the leading scorer for Notre Dame, but he was close. Colson had 17. <laughs> Just thought he's that was not amusing. one of like, the first options, but he's a, good, he's a good shooter. Would you say he's the third option, or do you think that's Gibbs? Man, it might be Gibbs now. I think it is Gibbs now. Maybe. Enough on Notre Dame. More on this week in commentators, though. Speaking of uh, commentators in Michigan State, did you hear Bill Walton talk about Bridges? Yeah, Bill, Bill Walton is a, a living treasure. You know, yeah, it's I interesting mean, to, to read message boards. It's interesting to read message boards and see how many fans dislike Bill Walton and when he does games. I think it's I, I think it's wildly entertaining. As as a person who is a devoted Bill Walton fan, yeah. like you, you know, I love him. Bill Walton can come to my house anytime. I would, I would cook for him. He could eat dinner with the mm-hmm. fam. He calls out night. people we he charge, and he thinks tr- he thinks taking charges is cowardly. <laughs> <laughs> what around I, in the days of Kareem and challenging someone at the room? Uh, I, I think it's fantastic. Or that's, he just says that's a dumb that rule. He's becoming like Dick Vitale, like he's becoming kind of a parody of him. Too old. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and everyone either loves him or hates him, and. Every year, like a few more percentage points of people go over to the hate category, and he just becomes like a little. He becomes a parody of himself, like the extreme version, because he just plays into it. I worry about that. This is what keeps me up at night. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I love Bill Walton. I mean, how many times are you watching a basketball game and you never hear a color commentator criticize a single player in the game? That's the worst for me. That's, when, when there's that's my zero kind of criticism. I know. So I'm talking to the wrong person, and I, I can't believe I didn't even think of that before I brought up that topic. Regardless. I watch a lot more games on mute now than I used to. So Doesn't that mean we have a color commentating issue? I guess. I'll listen it's, to Billis and, and see how he's going to tell me for the 15th time what's wrong with college basketball and why it's all flawed and messed up and how he would change well, it. We should pay the player. Can he, can he start doing NBA games? Do you know how they did the switch with, you know, Van Gundy comes to college and Billis goes to the NBA for a oh, game? Oh, yeah. Can we make that a permanent switch? I kind of like it as a gimmick. I like, I enjoy it. What's wrong with making it permanent? Would that be terrible? I don't know. ESPN <sighs> just fired a ton of people, so maybe they need a shakeup. Who knows? And Jeff Goodman's still around for some reason. I don't know why. <sighs> Where else Let's do we go? about Florida State, because this is my... Yeah, how about that team? The I'm team in that, love with the with the uh, Florida teams right now. So Florida State completely pulled their pants down two years ago, right? Collectively as a group, maybe not Mike's. Maybe Mike wasn't in on the Florida State train two years ago. Last year we were like, yeah, they're gonna get it. They'll do well. This year we're like, no, they're gonna do poorly, and they pulled their pants down again. I don't, man. So they are the like right now. Aside from the Florida game, which I. I think I think I sent this to people. All our, our, our group. You were very excited. I think that um, the the win at Florida for Florida State is like the best non conference win of any ACC team so far this season. Like the most impressive. And other than that game, like they have played 
nobody. They haven't played anybody in the top 150 of Ken Palm. Unless, I mean, unless Florida was maybe. going through a nervous breakdown, which they very well could have been. That could have been the start of the Florida nervous breakdown. We don't know for sure. Yeah, yeah it could have been, but I don't there know. Was I was a Florida... impressed with Florida State in that game. Like, Terrence Mann actually looks really good. He's ridiculously efficient from mm-hmm. you know going to the basket. I, I I just think they have they have like that typical like really active handsy like long lean Florida State defense that really bothers people. Um, and it's like it seems to be a little more under control than like in past years where it was just like their closeouts were a million miles per hour and just people one pump fake and you have an open look at the basket that sort of thing. So I don't know. I, I thought it, I thought Florida State really impressed me in that game. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with any of that. Next team to touch on. You know, it really is amazing, and this is why I'm I'm really worried about the life of this uh, wonderful educational program podcast, is that we, you know, we did not preview the ACC Big Ten Challenge. We did not recap it. It feels like a distant memory, but that's really all I'm trying to draw from is I'm thinking what happened in the challenge game for every team. I mean, the challenge, it also won, I mean, in today's world. Am I right, Luke? News moves so fast, you know. It does feel like a million years ago. But, yeah, also the challenge was, like, a little underwhelming once it was clear that the ACC was going to win by, you know, however many wins, 12 hey, wins, 13 are, wins. Something. Are you studying to be a, a panelist right now? Yeah, I like am. In, I'm for media? Get, are you trying to change professions? I'm trying to get Skip Bayless to uh, call me up. To be the guy who just has the status quo, non-hot yeah, takes? The, I'll be so, the straight man on, on the all takes matter. You're betting on favorites only. <laughs> you start your answers very eloquently saying, you know, in this day and age, news moves so fast. Wow. <laughs> I only take the over. I only bet the over. Exactly. Yeah. Where, I'm sorry now, to interrupt you. Where were we? I don't know where I was going. I just don't. The challenge feels like so long ago to me. Yeah. Other teams... Do you want me to talk about one of my challenge experience games? I was watching Virginia Tech, and they may or may not have been four-point first-half favorites or three-and-a-half first-half favorites against Iowa, who might be the biggest abomination in the Big Ten this year. Oh, yeah, they're not good. And I actually like was so confident about Virginia Tech in the dungeon against the terrible Iowa team in the first half that I actually spread the word to friends. And then they looked at me like it was a fool when it was a tie game at halftime. And mm. I think that said a lot about this Tech team, that Iowa first half. I think it said a lot. I'm I mean, sorry. the days of Jared Udoff for Iowa are long gone. They're, they're not that good this year. I, I, do you want to talk about Virginia Tech? I mean... Their defense looks really bad. Um, yeah. If they don't get to the line, they're going to be in serious trouble. Do you think Boston College finishes above or below Virginia Tech this year? Legitimate oh question. Oh, my gosh. This is such a good question. Legit question. I wish I wish you would have sent it to me like yesterday so I could think about it and toss and turn all night. No, what's your gut feeling? I mean, my gut feeling, honestly, is that Virginia Tech will finish above them. I, I think that's the safe answer. My rooting interest is probably I want Boston College to win the ACC and finish above everyone. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Virginia Tech's going to finish above them. I don't know, man. That St. Louis loss is still lingering in my head. Yeah, that's bad. But 
They're too. They're yeah, the just, Old Miss game was uh, probably should have gone down on that Old Miss. I don't know, man. That team plays the toughest schedule in the league. I just remind people of that. I mean, and they haven't played that brand of really basketball good yet, Gosh, other than woof. Old Miss. If you like watching free throws on loop, go watch a Virginia Tech game. And, man, it's efficient. <laughs> here's a great, line. great life story. So a caller called in on my regular job today. And because we were talking about, I, I don't know, we were talking about ACC basketball, and I said something about Virginia Tech. Oh, I didn't think they were going to finish seventh like everybody else projected them. Yeah. And a, a caller <laughs> called me up and went all transit to property saying, look at the Washington blowout, 103.79, and Washington just beat Kansas. And I thought, I, I immediately thought of our transit of property conversations, and I'm glad I've grown from those days, and they were out of them. Speaking of Kansas, <laughs> that Kansas team, mm. Yeah, we've had a rough couple of days. And and Kentucky. Yeah, it's a weird year when those two are just don't even feel like – do you foresee any path to the Elite Eight for those two teams? I mean, Here's I know this is really question. early, but – Do you think but... Kansas is going to win the Big 12 for like the millionth year in a row? No, I think A&M is going to win. No, oh, they're well, SEC. I... No, wait, they're SEC. Sorry. I'm still still mixed up. Yeah, you're still old school. I'm, yeah, it's, it's very strange. I mean, Texas has to be a player in the conversation, right? Yeah, I mean, maybe. Texas Tech, maybe. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm going. To, I kind of want West Virginia to win. West Virginia, another contender. I think. In um, how old is Carter at this point, Javon Carter? I don't know. Are you sure? Thirty-four. That sounds about right. Do you watch Virginia, West Virginia? Oh yeah. Any, we can get. So this is my question about Virginia. I have prepared for you. Is that they? Well, that's the team I know best. So go ahead and fire away. Yeah, according to Ken Palm, right? And I know this will be a quick answer, maybe, but elaborate. According to Ken Palm, they are the best ACC team and uh, third in the nation. Is that and, true? No. And so, are they really that good? No. And the loss—that's my unbiased opinion. Okay, yeah. Or biased opinion. The loss to West Virginia was that just like the. I mean, that's a tough game to play on the road in Morgantown. I mean, it's practically a tie game, or it's a one-possession game with a minute 30 left, or two minutes. Right. So it's a dead-even game. So does that game tell you anything? Does that, does that game mean that Virginia's not that good, they're mediocre? No. Or does it no. mean like they're still pretty good? It was just a really tough environment against a style that is made to like beat Virginia. Here's the part about that game is West Virginia shot 40% from three. And those were a lot of tough threes. They were step backs. They were contested threes. West Virginia has been one of the poorest shooting teams per Ken Palm for the last five years from beyond the arc. And somehow when they play an ACC team, like sorry, Notre Dame fans, you remember this in last year's tournament. They they've caught fire against the last two ACC teams they played. So I don't know if they're shooting. Maybe they're shooting. Maybe they hired Chip England in the off season. I don't know. Maybe they got him. In for a quick conference, and they all became better shooters. But I, I don't buy that. I thought it was more of a fluke from their perimeter shooting. What do you think? Yeah, I mean they they made some tough shots. Carter especially was like making these like crazy like the quick release over the top. Yeah, I believed Carter's shots more than I believed the rest of the team's shots. Yeah, I, I also just think my feeling in the game though, like it even when it was basically a tie game. I always felt like West Virginia just looked better, looked a little more comfortable. UVA seemed a little more on edge. Um, Except just, when Kyle Guy got blazing hot, that's when I thought if they just get stops, they're 
like two stops or if they get a gap, what Bennett calls a gap, which is three stops in a row, they can uh, they can get this one. But it didn't happen. And uh, They West couldn't for, get a stop at the end of the game. But West gosh, Virginia, Kyle like, Guy, good gracious, man. Oh, good goodness. So what, just, what did, just it, what did that player. tell you about you? Where do you evaluate them in the hierarchy of the ACC right they're now? They're about the same where I thought they were going to be. I don't know, like anywhere from two to five, right? Okay. I mean, that's not saying much, but I think everyone should be more optimistic about Virginia than, say, day one of the season at okay. this point. That's all I have to say. Yeah, that's. I'd say that's a fair assessment. Okay. For a hiatus question, let's talk about Christmas, okay? Okay. You're a dad. What's your plan? This is important. What do you mean, what's my plan? Are you going to do Santa Claus? Are you going to do Elf on the Shelf? Uh, I'm not doing Elf on the Shelf because I find it creepy and weird. Um, I No offense to anyone who loves Elf on the Shelf. It's just not my jam. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I feel like you'd have to have a really good elf. Yeah. If you somehow got a gift who was an elf who's a really outstanding looking elf, had big eyes to watch your kids, then maybe. But I, I'm with I'm you. I'm cringing just thinking about that. <laughs> um, we actually. Or if he just looked like he was, I don't know, hammered or something. Yeah. I mean, speaking of our, you know, I'm I'm the king of the uh, white, white family Olympics, you know, pumpkin patch, apple picking, all that kind of nonsense. Mm hmm. We've already uh, been to see Santa twice. Okay, um, gracious. Two separate occasions. And you you one only have planned, one child. One was not. One was just kind of spur of the moment. But so, yeah, we're way ahead of the game. Does Ted even know how to say Santa yet? I guess oh, he's... He, I mean, he he's, bawled and cried really? completely the entire time with Santa. Tears of joy? Hates him. Oh, really? Do, this is great for you. Doesn't doesn't like sitting on a uh, large bearded man's lap. This is fantastic. Okay. Now you don't have to deal with this Santa nonsense <laughs> and tears later on in the in the road. I enjoy whispering things like Santa's not real. I whisper that very quietly. And um, you know, when we're talking all like with my kid and, you know, our other family children all around and my wife gets very upset about it. She does not enjoy that. I think it's hilarious. Wow, so Morgan's in on Santa and you're out. I never would have guessed that off the top of my head. I mean, yeah. It's a strange family dynamic. You know who would be you know who would play a good bad Santa would be Vegas Mike Jaffe. All the time, yeah. Put that man in a Santa suit and give him a cocktail. I mean, after like a long weekend in Vegas, he basically looks like a slightly skinnier version of Santa. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, just uh, it's a great image, folks. <laughs> I, I really wish more people knew what Mike Jaffe looked like. We have one picture, maybe on the website or, or the Facebook page or whatever the Twitter handle, but that's it. Just think of the voice. Yeah, hey kids, what, what do you want for Christmas? <laughs> I, I can hear it. Yeah. Or what, what? Which games are we gonna bet on for Christmas? That's where we can go now. Yeah. Five games to pick, Taylor. Before we wrap up. Five games. Oh, I have so many games we can pick. Well, you said five. Okay, well, let's... Okay, well... Uh, I have to count. Now I have to... We're, we'll pick five plus an extra. Uh, let's start with uh, on Saturday, outside the ACC, Cincinnati at UCLA. We are projecting that Cincinnati will be three-point favorites in that game. 
Did the Cincinnati Florida game scare you at all? Uh, I mean, not particularly. You thought that was the bounce back game. I'm taking Cincinnati minus three. I don't yeah, trust I, UCLA at all. I kind of agree with you. I think so too. I, I think like- I think Villanova minus six is something that everyone should jump on against Temple, yeah. right? Well, I so Villanova. That was another one we we were maybe going to talk about. That is a big game in Philadelphia. I don't know. It might be closer than you think. I'm tempted to take Temple plus six. Mm, I think I'm actually going to take Temple plus six there. Uh, if we're taking underdogs, I will take Michigan plus five at Texas. Okay. I don't know why. I just like the points there. But I, I'm liking a lot of favorites when I'm looking at this list that you put out. So let's move to the next one then. We're moving into some ACC games here. Clemson versus Florida, also on Saturday. Clemson are getting four points. So Clemson plus four. This is the, the dark horse team, Clemson. They've been doing so well. First team that Notre Dame is uh, projected to lose in ACC play. Did Florida get its red nose back to guide their sleigh? That's the question. I, I can't tell yet. I'm going to say they did. I'm going to say they did. Wreck them. I agree. Yeah, what are we doing? Should we call someone in, uh, I, yeah, I, in Vegas? Should we call there. someone? I, just think I agree. Yeah, yeah what, are we, what are we thinking about? That's easy. Oh, how about this one? This will hit close to home for you. Your Virginia Tech Hokies plus six at your Kentucky Wildcats. I know. This is great, right? Two teams who I'm not high on, so I really have no opinion either way on this one. Can you bet against both teams somehow? I I wish. Can we short both teams the rest of the year? I mean, I think you got to take UK. It's going to be, there's too much. Yeah, why not? There's too much there to handle. Why not? They're not going to get even, calls. If they can't get calls, they can't shoot free right. throws. If they can't shoot free throws, they can't win games. Right. It's that rough. You could see you could see Tech like being super efficient and getting to the line a lot, but I don't know. It's it's the options are just more there for UK. So right. I'm taking Tech. Uh, we got two more to go through, and then we're done. Syracuse minus one at Georgetown. Oof. I feel like Syracuse is going to win by one. In this game, like they did, in the, <laughs> like they did in the challenge. When, when I saw the line for Syracuse in the challenge, I thought I could see them winning by one, and they did, or losing by one, and it being a push. I'm picking a push in this game. <laughs> Is that crazy? I mean, I'm picking a push. Uh, yeah, I, I feel good about Syracuse. I'm gonna okay. take Syracuse. I'll go with you on that one. I'll ride with you. I like it. And UNC minus one at Tennessee. That's a no-brainer. North Carolina. Oh yeah, you gotta take North Carolina. Yeah. North, North Carolina. What are we doing? Has, this is the other question we didn't really talk about. Like, how good is we should North Carolina going to be? How good that, is North Carolina hiccup, really going to be? They haven't played that anybody really, really to tell well, the us Michigan anything. State hiccup was bad. Yeah, that was really bad. bad. It, it didn't just look bad; it looked bad. It was terrible. It was one of the biggest brick fests we've seen in modern basketball history, right? Yeah. And now they've been shooting really well. Apparently, I mean. Um, you know, it's been against not great competition, but they've been shooting re- really well since then. Um, so I don't know. But the big thing for me about North Carolina is, like, Roy Williams is always going to play two big men, and it's not really suited to their personnel this year. Like, are they going to go? So Cam Johnson could possibly be back for this game. He's probably not going to be. He's probably not going to come back to like, the end of the year, maybe even January. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying, like, if he comes back, they maybe have the personnel to go like Golden State, like play him as a at the four power forward, you know, stretch, you know, that sort of thing. But Roy Williams will not do that. I, I mean, he 
Right? He would never do that. That's just not his style. I don't so, think so. No. I think that creates problems for them because they don't have the. They have, don't have like. Have Duke and North Carolina switched personalities? Yeah. Overnight in the off season, they switched personalities. That it's is, like face off. Which one's Travolta and which one's Cage? I think that's an easy question. <laughs> A classic movie, face slash off. Yes. What? This is obvious. We know who Nick Cage is. Oh, Nick. I mean, it's Nick just Cage is Come on, Duke? come on. It's just, yeah, yeah. Come yeah. On. Man, what a great movie. Something, I'm going to go watch that right now. I thought it was a great reference. I really did. All right, last of all, you're headed so to Tennessee the, is not a bad team, but yes, I would take North Carolina. I would sure, too. Right yeah, I, I think that's a I great that's, line. I, I would concur with you, sir. All right, finally, unless you have anything left to talk about, you have one Christmas movie to take to the North Pole as you're going to be exiled in an igloo. Which Christmas movie do you take? You only get one. Oh, my gosh. And it's Christmas time year-round at the North Pole around so Santa and Company. So I have to watch company. it on repeat? No, it's, watch it it's, it's not like it's going to be a non-seasonal time. So, for example, I'm I'm not picking Die Hard because that would be a cop-out to say, first of all, there's the, the, the debate – is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Which is yeah. a real debate. It's for me, it is, but it's slightly not. So you don't do someone like something like that, which is a much more rewatchable movie than say Elf, right? Yeah, I think well, I'm not like a huge Christmas movie per se person, but I have always loved It's a Wonderful Life. Okay, and I like that would be my know, second choice. It always makes me emotional. It always makes me, you know. Yeah, George Bailey. I would go Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh wow! I'm okay, c- cemented in that decision. I feel great about it. If I'm exiled to the North Pole, but then we'd have to hang out with Santa all day, which would be a problem for you, since you've already <laughs> had some bad experiences. I would like to uh, be exiled only if Mike Jaffe is a is a drunk bad Santa up at the North Pole. Then then I'd be fine with it. I could I could live with that for the rest of my life in an igloo with one movie. Be fun. Santa Santa loves Valpo with the points. Santa loves Purdue for the money line. Yes, indeed, my friend. All right. Any last words? Yeah. One last announcement. We are planning on a mailbag issue. We want to hear if from we everybody still who exists. listens to this podcast. And if we still exist. Yeah, if we still exist, which we will. Calm down. Uh, but we know. want to hear from everybody. So please send us an email, accbbaldegens at gmail.com. Or tweet at us, ACCBBALDEGENS, on Twitter. Um, that's A-C-C-B-B-A-L-L-D-E-G-E-N-S. Please send us all your questions or thoughts or anything you want us to talk about, just a prompt, and uh, we will talk about it on the show and have our hot takes all good and ready. Well, I'm glad you still have all your enthusiasm. I'm on life support over here, and, and Guthrie and Mike are nowhere to be seen. So we'll hope to get to the mailbag, folks, but no promises. Any final words? No. We've we've used that phrase a lot. That, this These might be the final words of the podcast. You're very dramatic right now. We might not live till New Year's Eve. You might not hear any of my New Year's Eve stories, which are coming. <laughs> it's going to be a holiday. big New Year's Eve. I can feel it for me. I still go on record. Worst holiday ever, New Year's Eve. Fake holiday. All right, stop it. We can reignite that debate. <laughs>